You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekhar Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey guys, uh, welcome to another episode of The Retail Perch. And uh, here we are coming up, hopefully towards the end of winter. I think the little groundhog in Pennsylvania said six more weeks of winter, Gary. And I know you're facing some of it. Uh, yes, I think they're calling for another six inches or more snow uh, tomorrow here. Well, you're getting our share. I'm telling you, New Jersey, we've gotten barely a quarter inch of snow so far this wow. season. So I'm not complaining. Uh, but, uh, of course, it's also been an exciting year with some terrific episodes of the Retail Perch, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it so far as much as we have talking to the guests. And today we have somebody else from across the seas, all the way from Romania. Uh, Valentin Radu is joining us, and uh, he's talking about some very pertinent stuff. I think, uh, you know, uh, we talk about acquisition and acquiring new customers um, but Valentin here is talking about is going to talk to us about how to retain customers, how to grow your business through ret- retention. So, uh, company's name is Omni Convert, and uh, here we are with Valentin. Valentin, you want to introduce yourself and uh, say hi to our guests? Of course. Thanks a lot for inviting me, and uh, hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur from Bucharest, Romania. I'm an ex-poor kid, so thanks to the struggles and to the misery I've got to entrepreneurship, I've uh, sold two companies, I failed completely at one, I've got uh, back to my father with my tail between the legs, and uh, thanks to those uh, moments, I've restarted the, the entrepreneurial journey. Uh, in the last 10 years, I've co-founded, uh, I founded Omniconvert. It's my second company that I founded completely without any, any partners. So uh, we focused initially on uh, helping e-commerce companies grow, grow because my third company, I've made an exit after we made it to having 300,000 customers. And uh, thanks to those learnings, I've, I've built a software as a service. And in the last four years, we've uh, pivoted and shifted our attention towards customer value optimization. And we've built a software, we've built an online academy. I'm writing a book about this methodology of improving customer lifetime value, which I think it's an undervalued uh, strategy because, of course, it's not as uh, sexy as it seems to, to, to brag as a CMO, like we've acquired uh, 20,000 new customers. Uh, nobody wants to say we've retained uh, 28% of uh, our customers. Yeah, well, Gary and I uh, very much identify with understanding the value of retaining and growing existing customers. Because, uh, you know, I think uh, in general, I don't know what the metric is, but for every loyal customer that you lose, you probably need to acquire 15 or 20 more and to replace them. So, you know, in terms of return on investment, you know, it's far more valuable to retain an existing customer than it is to acquire them. Right. Exactly. We, we have, uh, we have the luxury of uh, looking at the data. We have around 3000 retail companies pushing data to our system. And uh, those figures are varying a lot. So there are companies where uh, one of their best customers is as valuable as more than 200 normal average customers because wow when you, when you cut the customer acquisition cost from the equation and when you look at the margin that you're generating the real money the real profitability per customer starts showing up to, after the the third fourth or fifth uh, order so when you compare the 
average customers which are placing only one single order cutting off the customer acquisition cost. And when you look at their margin and their customer lifetime value, then you have some aha moments. And uh, at those moments, uh, uh, retail leaders start to, 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 to have their wheels turning on and uh, reshift their focus towards what really matters. So, so Valentin, uh, looking across all your customers, are you focused on any uh, particular retail segments or verticals, or is it all types of retailers? Yeah, I might say that there are all types of retailers. Uh, we, uh, however, most of the 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 ones which are really really determined to improve customer lifetime value and leverage this process of customer value optimization are the ones where the purchase frequency is higher. So the faster the products are being sold are uh, the the more interest of the company to to improve this type of metrics however we do have companies which are selling uh, furniture or uh, even mattresses we we work with a company called tempur sealy which basically their purchase cycle is more than 5 years yeah however with customer value optimization is not only about increasing the customer lifetime value it's also about understanding hey who are our best customers the the top spenders so that we acquire more like them and how can we improve their experience so that we can get the network effect through them so there are other perks of focusing on having customers that are extracting more value from you and i think uh, and maybe we should be addressing this from uh, from our early in our conversation customer value optimization it's about optimizing the value that the customers are getting not sucking more value from the customers because basically it's that's the virtuous cycle if you have customers which are really really happy and aware that they get a lot of value from you they will start uh, buying again they will continue to buy from you and they will uh, become ambassadors to 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 generate more business to your uh, company yeah so completely agree with that uh, with that philosophy that that makes all the sense in the world uh and as you call out sadly too many companies too many retailers really don't understand that so I'm glad you're having success that way Right. In fact, I, I I was listening to a Harvard professor um, a year or so ago who was talking about loyalty, and, uh, and and you really generated loyalty when the value that you're providing to your customer is much higher than the cost that they're paying for your service. Right. So yeah. somehow there has to be a, a balance in the favor of the retailer to realize that they're providing more value. I completely agree. Right. So what's what's the approach? So what so what what got you down this path of saying, hey, this is really yeah. important? Yeah. So the the initial aha moment I had when we we were uh, I was struggling because I think the struggle is uh, the main engine of uh, progress. Let's say if you're not struggling enough, and if it's not itching you to enough, you will not uh, invest the energy to make progress there. So. I was uh, mocked by my friends, which were working at multinationals. I was an entrepreneur, but I wasn't uh, very profitable, even though we, we had a lot of revenue. At some point, we, we had like 10 million euro in, in annual turnover, but I, I, I couldn't, uh, I was struggling with the cash flow. So I was always not going in the same vacations as they do and whatever. So thanks to that struggle, because I, I, I remember I've said no more, I have to make this company very profitable so i've dived into the data and uh, we were selling online car insurance like uh, there are many 
many uh, aggregators, right? So we were comparing insurances from the different insurance companies. And I was looking at our best customers and uh, I realized, you know what? The truck drivers are a very, very important segment of our customers, even though there are not too many of them. And then I realized that there are also the luxury car owners, which are also outstanding. And we've, we've seen this uh, Pareto principle, let's say that uh, in, in our case, we, we've got something like 20 something percent of our uh, customers generating 60% of our margin. And then we've shifted our attention towards, I don't know, advertising to the right places. And that was the initial seed when I, I've looked at the customer lifetime value and understood the mechanics of growth. After that, in, and it took me something like six, seven years, I worked, I had the privilege of uh, working and trying to save a retailer, which was very well funded, but they were losing money. They were doubling in size, but their profitability was, was going down. And I, I uh, looked over their business and I've applied the RFM segmentation model. RFM stands for recency, frequency, and monetary value. So when I, I've applied this, uh, this model, I've realized that their business, their, their customer por portfolio wasn't that healthy. So they were churning a lot of customers and they were basically just postponing the, the, the doom. You know, they, they, are, they, they kept on acquiring customers that never come back. Their customer retention was going down. Their lifetime value was going down. Their NPS was lower than 38 or something like that. And those were the signs of a, of a company going down, even though in their financials, they seem to be okay because they were looking at the revenue as the main driver of growth and that's when i've realized you know what this lifetime value is so freaking important and we need to uh, i need to learn more about it so i've started to apply this model to our customers at that moment we were selling uh, our main product was a conversion rate optimization product, which was only about the website and digital, whatever, ignoring completely the omni-channel, ignoring the uh, customers which were buying from bricks and mortar. So at that moment, I've said, this is fantastic. And I've started to apply this method and uh, fine tune it. And in, in, the, in the meantime, I'm writing a book about it. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting my hands dirty all the time. So I, I always keep a, a customer that I work directly with because I want to fine tune the, the process. And my vision is that in, in hopefully in uh, five to 10 years from now, companies will stop optimizing just the website or just the uh, offline experience. Let's say they will start to look holistically at the entire customer journey. And they will come to the conclusion that it's the best to, to optimize for customer lifetime value than looking at shallow metrics, which are not that comprehensive. Well, yeah. you're preaching to the choir here. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so is, is what you do, is it more of like a consulting of professional services or is it a, some type of uh, you know, software as a service type model? Yeah. We, we are doing both. So at, at this moment, we have the software, which is the backbone of our business. So we, we have a software which is automatically building the RFM segmentation, is doing the uh, generating the insights. It's uh, empowering the companies to orchestrate different uh, customer journeys across different other engagement tools like email, SMS, uh, in real life, at their points of presence, a different customer experience. And also we are uh, consulting for big, large companies that are in this process of uh, improving the customer lifetime value. 
However, our in the last two years, uh, we, we, we couldn't do it anymore because we've got uh, a limited scal uh, scalability, let's say. We can't hire too many Romanian people and even people because we've started to, to hire people from abroad, but it's very hard to, to, uh, to grow with a professional service uh, model. So that's why we are now uh, teaming up with other agencies. We've built the academy and now they are getting certified. There are like, There is this training of uh, 18 hours. With I've teamed up with also with Wharton Business School professors, with Harvard Business School professor, with practitioners, and we are all built a program, a training program. And now we are teaching other agencies or internal teams about how to do this type of uh, process. Hmm. Wow. Wow, that's 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 pretty incredible. So, so what are some of the? Can you share uh, whatever you can share publicly? Some, you know, stories of yeah. where this yeah, change best best practices or any yeah. stories that stand out. Yeah, yeah, of course, I have plenty of them. Uh, I will uh, I will select one of them, which is uh, you know, which which speaks to my mind. I was, uh, uh, we were working with the, with the company, a fashion retailer, a very a significant fashion retailer from Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, they had plenty of points of presence. Their uh, management team were more relying towards the retail business. E-commerce was seen like, uh, mm -hmm, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. However, they made something like 18 to 20% of their revenue. So they were pretty good on the online uh, channel. And uh, at some point, they've started to 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 lose customers. So they've uh, they've their growth stalled. They got more competition, and they thought that their the the main way to 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 fight their competitors was through TV advertising. And uh, we were working with them at that moment. I mean, they were using our solution. I closely work with their CMO, and uh, he was a bit pissed off due to the 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 other. Uh, uh, leadership decision you know the commercial director the retail director there are these internal forces you know that are always not always but most of the time they are disagreeing because if they are all agreeing maybe some of them are extra there they should be uh, they shouldn't be there because i i do uh, think that conflict is the beneficial so uh, after this the debate we've got to, to, to apply this RFM segmentation because we thought, okay, but let's see how you are losing uh, uh, market share. You know, wh where is this uh, coming from? So we've applied the RFM segmentation methodology and we've discovered thanks to that, that there, it wasn't too much about their competitors, but it was about their uh, new private label that they've launched and that they've seen the, as it's fantastic because they've seen that the, the, they had a significant uh, a number of sales coming from their new brands and they, those were very, very profitable for them because it was easier to sell their private labels against, I don't know, Clarks or whatever other, insert other shoes uh, brands here that are well known. So, um, however, when we looked at this uh, data, we've identified a pattern that those brands were basically toxic because their best customers stopped buying again from them due to mm. the fact that the quality of those brands weren't they've uh, let's say trained their audience to be you know their customer base to be so basically those type of assumptions uh, are were very harmful for the business you know because and at that moment they realized that they shouldn't be following only the financial model when you look at 
the percentage of the share of sales from a specific brand, but you should also look at what the lifetime, how the lifetime value is being affected if the last purchase is coming from a certain brand or the first purchase is coming from a certain brand. Because right. the, for instance, and I can disclose this, Nike had one of the best stickiness. It was outstanding. You know, it was, the difference were incredible if you compare to those uh, those brands, their their private label against Nike. And that happened due to the quality brand perception, whatever. So even though their margin wasn't as big as it was to Nike, when they looked at the subsequent purchases, it was clear that they should be promoting Nike and not their own private label. Mm -hmm. And those type of uh, stories are repeated, you know, because it's not a single, that's a, a single example. Right. Interesting. So, so what you're saying is the starting purchase of a customer impacts their lifetime value to that retailer because of the experience and the quality of the product yeah. that they're buying. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And yeah. few companies are monitoring this. I mean, it's even though it's kind of common sense, right? Right. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's... but but it's it's a different way to look at the retail business, right? You know, our our experience, uh, you know, retailers are very much focused on the products they're selling. They believe, you know, their their sales dollars, euros, etc., are coming from the product sitting on the shelf, not from <laughs> yeah. the shopper, right? That's but right. we know that it's it's really the customer. That's right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, that's 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 fascinating. So what's what's the I guess the vision at OmniConvert now? I mean, you've been at it for a, a little bit, and I'm sure you yeah. have, you know, I'm, I I can kind of sense your zeal and excitement about this entire space. So I'm sure you're full of ideas about what where you can continue on with this uh, venture. Yeah, my uh, my vision is that uh, we we become one of the let's say pioneers in this uh, new movement towards uh, customer centricity. And we are the provider of the technology and the methodology. We, uh, we want to build some centers of excellence in, uh, across the world. We've already uh, teamed up with some partners. Tomorrow we have uh, our largest uh, event in Australia with one of our uh, partner agencies there. So basically our model is to, to, to team up with the data-driven uh, service providers to provide them with the technology and with knowledge and help uh, companies uh, thrive by caring about their customers. Because uh, you, you nowadays when it's so expensive to acquire customers, you can't uh, let them be a one-time buyer, like a one-night right. stander, you know? So right. So, so I know you mentioned, you know, you, you know, this is probably more effective in in retail situations where there's higher frequency of purchase. Yeah. Have you applied this to supermarket grocery? Yeah, there is like uh, it's it it's such an untapped potential there because for for instance, uh, we we've seen that uh, let's say when you buy I don't know orange juice, you know, you have a cadence, you have a purchase frequency. And in retail, this type of replenishment is being applied from a B2B perspective. So when you, let's say, do your stock and when you look at the uh, uh, stock rotation and all those things, you do it as a retailer 
when it comes to your suppliers, but you don't do it when it comes to your customers and nobody, I mean, nobody, I haven't, I, I have yet to, to search because I, we are in, we've had a lot of conversation, but I haven't found a, a single online grocery retailer, a grocery retailer, which is leveraging this up because you know, when you need, I don't know, toilet paper, you know, you need, know when you need shampoo and those products have a, have a cadence, but nobody is applying the data models so that it's making our lives as consumers easier by because they know how we are consuming you know after three four orders you should know that i'm uh, using uh, i don't know I, I have i need butter every four weeks and i need this every two weeks and this type of replenishment is still so friction i mean you you have those apps and they think that they are helping you out but they aren't i mean it's all about replenishment and you can do it automatically way better than uh, you figuring out oh yeah i need uh, to buy i'm out of milk or i'm out of xyz right. and that's a, a simple way to to be customer centric and to leverage the data that you have at your disposal based on the consumer behavior yeah valentin you, you probably should check out our website <laughs> <laughs> for sure it's exactly so, what we do so great that's terrific no, but but keeping keeping the focus here. So so, but have ha, do you guys have any grocery retail customers that you worked with? Yeah, we have. Process? We we do have. Uh, we we work with uh, a, a few of them. The latest one is uh, one of the largest retail chains here in Europe called Auchan. Uh, they uh, they use our technology to to apply this RFM segmentation and to. Uh, make this type of uh, decisions towards how they should be pushing different products thanks to the lifetime value, the potential lifetime value that they have. Because it's uh, when you have uh, 60,000 SKUs, what do you push further? You know, what kind of brands? And for instance, uh, there's also another layer of intelligence because the retailers are coming from a different uh, story. You know, as you've said, Gary, they, they, they are used to put products on the shelf and magically they are vanishing and they end up with some money in their mm -hmm. accounts. But now they have this uh, intelligence that they are not uh, leveraging properly because they, they don't know that they don't know. They are not aware that their online channel is like a, let's say, way to analyze the consumer behavior, which is statistically significant. So they, they, they can extract a lot of uh, insights. For instance, right. they have which brand is generating it's having the 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 best stickiness which of our 50 brands of beer let's say or whatever and if you add this type we we call this methodology the four uh, uh, data layers uh, product optimization framework so basically you have the the sales layer you have the consumer behavior layer you have the uh, customer experience layer and you have the demand layer so if you look at your products at other things, they, despite the fact that they are selling or not, if you look at their share of sales from this category, but if you also look at the NPS of the customers that bought those products, if you also look at the lifetime value of those customers, and if you also look at the conversion rate from the customers that saw this product and ended up buying it, then you have these four different layers and you end up identifying some hidden gems in your own inventory. And that's yeah. how you can prioritize those those products. So these types of uh, uh, things are the ones that we are doing uh, right now with the uh, in uh, grocery retail. It's perfect. It's fantastic. Is, yeah, is, is is most of your work with uh, marketing departments at you know these retailers? 
uh, and or do you interact with like you know top management, the executive team? Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things we've seen successful is uh, bringing you know customer-based metrics, retention rates, et cetera, into management reporting, financial reporting, and so on. Yeah. Uh, have you done any of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we do. So when we uh, work with the with the company, we usually work with their uh, management team. Our our way to let them know about the the money that they leave on the table is to do a workshop with them so that they get get to this internal alignment. So we usually work with their senior leadership, and. Uh, Thanks to our work, for instance, we have a partner, uh, we work with KPMG, for instance, right? And they come up and they do the customer journey mapping and we come up with the technology and together we, we identify some uh, hidden opportunities that they, they, they are not addressing. And uh, once we install our technology, which is generating all this intelligence, we we call it the, the optimization of their reporting because most of the retailers are at least that's what we've met so far, are having all sorts of reports. You know, there are a lot of people that are just building reports that nobody acts on. So we, we are doing this pyramid, this customer-centric pyramid reporting, and we begin with the end in mind, and then we got to certain departments because for instance, lifetime value, it's the KPI of the CEO because the entire organization is affecting the lifetime value. You can't uh, say that, I don't know, the marketing is responsible or the merchandising or whatever. So everyone is contributing, but uh, if they don't have this type of internal alignment, they have this, sometimes they even have disconnected uh, KPIs. You know, if someone is uh, getting to their target, the other, uh, another department is going to struggle and, and vice versa. Right. Right. And so a holistic view of what impacts a customer's loyalty to that yeah. brand, really. That's, that's you know, exactly. including your in-store experience to digital experiences to customer service or even, you know, yeah. how your in-store personnel are trained to interact with the customers. It all has an impact, right? So Yeah. Yeah. Wow. For instance, that's... another story, if you want to share something uh, really funny, we've done uh, a U.S. Uh, company. Uh, it was a scale up, so they were like 250 in that uh, at that moment, and uh, they were doing the fulfillment th themselves. And uh, we, with our tool, we analyze the NPS and we come up with the anomalies. For instance, we don't look only at the NPS as an average because that's stupid. You need to look at the NPS by I don't know product category, location, and we have this. Uh, focus on the NPS by employee or by role. For instance, if they if they sell online, what's the NPS for pickers? And if they if they do it in real life, what's the, the NPS for certain uh, uh, stores, for certain locations? And uh, we've identified something really funny that during the night shift, their NPS, so all the orders which were fulfilled during the night shift had an NPS which was 40% lower. And what they've ended up realizing is that the, the, their employees from a warehouse, from one of their two warehouses, they uh, they were simply partying, you know. So they they <laughs> they they didn't care. They they drank beers, you know, and because they, they it was uh, uh, incredibly low, you know. 
So that's how they've discovered that uh, that's why their uh, sizes weren't uh, the, the correct ones. They were simply, you know. That's, that's right. That's interesting. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so I think what you're saying in summary is that some of this data can point you to where the problems may be and how you can fix those problems, yeah. right? And I mean, the data is not going to fix your business. It's going to essentially give you clues as to where to look. Fix yeah, problems. and many times there are uh, there are many companies barking at the wrong tree. For instance, they 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 try to push the pedal on the marketing side of things because that's how they think they grow. But they have some hiccups on their customer journey, or they have some low suboptimal product that they are pushing to their customers. And it's not like accelerating the marketing you're gonna fix a broken product, right? It's that's true. That's true. That's very true. And, and Gary, yeah, that's that's some of my concern that I have off late with all this interest in uh, retail media networks. It's so much about driving traffic and not so much about optimizing customer experience and taking yeah. care of your customer. And I, I mean, both are important, clearly. Uh, yeah. You have to keep well, acquiring customers. There's always going to be an attrition rate to your customer Um you know, uh, your set of customers. So people yeah. are going to move. People are going to change jobs. They're going to leave. So you're yeah. going to have some natural attrition uh, yeah. that's going to occur in your business. But I guess you. So you have to constantly keep acquiring new customers for that purpose. But the wealth, like you've always said, Gary, in all the books that you've written, is really caring about your most valuable customer and figuring out how to retain and grow them. Right. Yeah, so. No, that, that's that's where it is. And, and, you know, to your point on retail media networks, I, I guess I could be even a bit more cynical and say to the retailers, it's simply about the, the checks they can collect from the advertisers. Right. But, you know, just, adding true value uh, to your customers. What happens after that? Nah, I don't really care. Right, right, yeah, yeah. You know, I know, I know. We might we might get called out for that, but it's the truth, right? The yeah. truth of the matter is that your business really depends on how your customers feel about shopping at your locations, and if they don't feel they're getting value, it doesn't matter what else you do; they're going to switch. No, and that's right. Attention to them is critical, and you know, it looks like Valentin, you you kind of hit the nail on the head here about you know this is the key focus of retail. The reason we go to shop in a place is because a, we get what we want, and B, we enjoy the experience, right? Yeah, we and, feel better. Uh, yeah, and you can really get what you want at any store, but the differentiating fact then becomes the experience. That's right. That's the that's the latest arena because there are there there are these mindless uh, uh, buying habits. You know, you go there, and you it's not like you are buying. You are not doing a conscious uh, decision to buy this yogurt. Right. You you mindlessly put. Pick right. it up and put it in your uh, in your cart. But what's different is is this something too annoying to do so that I'm going to switch, right. or is the experience so cool that I'm gonna tell my friends, hey, buy from from this company or the other. And now right. the there is another thing if if we focus a bit on the grocery retail, for instance, because uh, I uh, I think the, the the there is the same trend in the U.S. as well. So. We have these apps which are so making the purchase so easy that the uh, the retailers now are being seen as warehouses, and they get all the let's say uh, if something is not working through these apps which are facilitating the the getting the our groceries at home, if something goes wrong in the mind of the consumer, 
the retailer is to blame. And uh, if something goes good, it's something goes well, then the app is uh, the, the one to, right. to take credit for it. And that's right. how the retailer becomes some warehouses where they stock products and they, they lose the connection with their, their customers. Completely yeah. agree. Completely agree. Yeah. So um, I think Valentin, if you had known you a couple of years ago, you would have probably been a host on this on this podcast with us. <laughs> <laughs> because I think our thinking just you know there's just a lot of alignment here in terms of our thinking. But look at that, we're we're already at 37 minutes. So um, it's been a terrific conversation though, and and you know we should definitely stay in touch because I'd love to see your progress. Yes. Maybe, you know, come back to us in a, in a few months and tell us a few more exciting stories. Uh, and, you know, I think most of our listeners understand the value of customer centricity. It's just that I think maybe some of them try to figure out how to get there, the path to getting to customers, because it's also about changing the DNA of your organization, the culture, the yeah. approach, the language, you know, all of that has to change for your whole organization to really shift. It's not just having data, right? Uh, yeah, and and that's sure. that's sometimes maybe the bigger struggle is is to get the culture right. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, very much. Anyway, it's it's been a terrific conversation. Anything you would like to add here, Valentin, that will help our customers maybe find you or uh, if they need to look you up? Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn, Valentin Radu. I'm also writing a book. I'm going to send you the the link in case you want to read the first chapter. Hopefully, it's going to be published uh, at the end of May this year. And uh, for anyone who wants to, to, to get more deeper into this methodology, because I, we haven't got enough time to, to tell you all the stories and how it works, you can uh, check, up, check out uh, our CVO Academy. There is a free program over there. And for one, the ones that want to get really deep into it, they can get the certification. And uh, anyways, if there is anyone who thinks that I, that, that I can uh, be of help to him or her, uh, find me on LinkedIn. That's how I've uh, learned all these things. So I, I'm a curious person, and I I do believe that we we need to help uh, help each other more. And I've I've been blessed to to get help from I don't know professors from uh, uh, Wharton Business School and people that are so open to 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 do this type of conversation. And I'm really glad that I uh, I, I had this conversation with you as well. It's uh, it's a refreshing to see that uh, I'm not alone. You know, it's not like I'm uh, I'm alone and in inventing or uh, finding out these things. Uh, and uh, I, it's been really fun talking with you guys. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Well, you know what? I know you're in Romania, but I'm sure we can manage postage. But if you do, uh, send us your mailing address. We'll send you a coffee mug with the retail perch logo on it. So um, <laughs> that you can keep us as a, as a memento for being on this. But thank you so much. Uh, it's been fun chatting. Gary, anything to? Uh, no, it's been a great conversation. Uh, you're, you're certainly not alone in what you are uh, preaching and the message you are delivering. We uh, are in full agreement with you. So really enjoyed having you on. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah. And again, th thanks to all the listeners. I hope you guys have been enjoying these podcasts. You know, it's been another great episode. Uh, next week, we're off to the NGA. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Vegas with the uh, National Grocers Association. I'm sure we'll have some uh, takeaways we come back from that, Gary. Can't wait to... Yes, or we should even uh, maybe try to do a remote uh, perch session. Yeah, we should probably try to do that. Yes, absolutely. So... Anyway, thanks, guys, and uh, stay safe. And again, thanks, Valentin, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you.
Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. 